Pastor John already said, it's good to have each and every one of you here on this last Sunday of the year. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to uh, 2 Timothy chapter number 3. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. And we're not really going to start a new series today. In fact, we're just going to have like a uh, one and done message this morning as far as uh, normally on a Sunday morning we have a series or I'll start a series. But this morning being the last Sunday of the year, uh, I just felt like the Lord laid this on my heart uh, uh, from this message uh, and this passage of 2 Timothy chapter number 3. And hopefully it's something that will encourage you this morning uh, as well as something that will challenge you as we go into the new year. Uh, so 2 Timothy chapter number 3, if you still have not received your notes this morning, uh, perhaps uh, on your way in, you just forgot to pick them up, you can just go ahead and raise your hand and the ushers will get one right to you. And, uh, and that way you can follow along as we study God's word together. And this morning we're actually going to be studying a whole chapter. So uh, it's going to be at least a three-hour message, all right? We're going to go right word for word and uh, verse by verse. Uh, no, it ain't going to be that long, uh, but hopefully something that will, as I said, challenge you and encourage you uh, this morning. 2 Timothy chapter number 3, we're going to start in verse number 1 and read all the way down to verse number 17. We're going to read the whole chapter as we'll be studying it and looking at it this morning in this message. 2 Timothy chapter number 3, verse number 1. It says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous and boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers and false accusers, incontinent and fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures than more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. But they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men as theirs also was. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. But out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you that as this morning we open your word, we know that we are opening the truth. And I pray that as we read your word, as we hear your word, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us. Father, that your spirit would touch our hearts and that we would be receptive to your word this morning. And that as we are challenged by this truth, that we would not just be hearers of your word, but doers also. We might continue, Father, in the things that we have learned. We might continue to live for you, that we may continue to please you with our life. Oh, Father, I pray that this morning, our life, our Christian walk with you, our journey would continue in a way that would honor and please you. And so, Father, I pray that you would Enlighten us, illuminate our minds and our hearts as we study your word this morning. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, experiencing the victorious Christian life can really be summed up in the fact that either we are continuing in the Christian life or we're giving up in the Christian life. If you really want to experience the victorious Christian life, not just the Christian life, because there's a lot of people that live a Christian life because they've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, and that's where the Christian life begins. A lot of people think that's where it ends, but really that's where it begins. And then from then on, you start this journey that we call the Christian life. But in that journey, you can either live a life that is victorious or a life that is defeated. And the, the key to living the victorious life is continuing. The key to living a defeated life is giving up. You know, in the 1970s and all through really the decade of the 80s and, and moving forward after that, there is this new form of entertainment that came into our world. It, it started in the country of Japan and, and kind of just took over. It took over in Europe and then slowly took over here in the Western world, starting in the United States. And this form of entertainment was known as the arcade, the gaming system. And if you, uh, if you were uh, young and, and a teenager, perhaps in the, in the 70s, uh, you might remember that one of the first arcade games was one called Pac-Man. There was another one called Space Invaders. And what you would do is you would go to a place that had the arcades, right? They, they were like gaming rooms or, or things like that. And uh, you would take as many quarters as you could find. And you would go into the gaming system there and, uh, or the gaming room and find the game you wanted to play. You'd insert a quarter and you start playing. Well, as the gaming system was beginning, uh, the whole idea was, let's just see how far you can get. And so you'd put in the coin, and, and you'd go as, as long as you could stay alive, right? If you're doing space, in, uh, space Invaders, as long as you could avoid any of the missiles coming at you, any of the alien ships trying to kill you, you're, you're going to keep going as far as you can. But the moment that a missile hit you, the game was over. And uh, you can insert another coin to play again, but you'd have to begin all the way from the starting. All the way from the starting point, you'd go back, and it didn't matter if you're already on stage 15, you were going to go all the, back, all the way back to stage number one after you died. Well, there was a, uh, a company, and it was a, uh, it was a Japanese company, I, I believe the, I don't know exactly how to pronounce it, it's a Shin Nihon Kikakua or better known as SNK, all right? Most, uh, most gamers would know it as SNK. Uh, they do fighting games, uh, kind of like Street Fighter, if you're uh, familiar at all with gaming systems. That, that was one of the big games in the 90s. But SNK was one of the forerunners. They're the, one of the, 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 the ones that started this of, uh, of gaming and, and, and that kind of gaming. And uh, they, they created a game called Fantasy. Now, fantasy is not a, a big, uh, well-known game. In fact, it's not really a classic. Most people that have played it think it's really boring. Now, fantasy is different from Final Fantasy. So if those that are, have been playing on, like, you know, PlayStation or PS2 or PS3 or PS4, PS5 now, uh, if you've played any of those and you played Final Fantasy, you're like, that's a really fun game. Yet, fantasy was not. Fantasy is not Final Fantasy. This is a totally different game. It was totally boring. The graphics were, were terrible. Uh, but there was one key thing about this game that really made it unique. And that was at the end, when you lost your life, it gave you 10 seconds. And in those 10 seconds, if you inserted another coin you could actually continue the game. Now, this was revolutionary, okay? You got to understand, every other game that was there in the game room, you had to start over, but not with fantasy. It allowed you 10 seconds to continue where you were at, so you had more of an opportunity to actually beat the game. Now, of course, this caught on so well that after that, almost every game, and if you have a home entertainment system like the Nintendo that came out in 1985, or if you have any of the Super Nintendos or Playstations or Sega Genesis, you find that almost every game now has this thing called Continue. And it's something like what's on our screen right now. It gives you that little countdown. And if you, uh, if you had a Nintendo, you had to put, you know, press start so you could 
So you could start again. If you're in the arcade room, then you had to insert another coin, but you could start right there. And you could just pick up where you left off. You could actually continue. Well, in this year of 2020, we've gone through a lot. There's been a lot of different trials. There's been a lot of difficulties. And along the way in 2020, each and every one of us have had to make a decision. Are we going to continue or are we going to give up? Is this something that we want to continue to do in our life or is this something we want to stop in our life? And there are things in life that you don't want to continue. Every year at the first, uh, at the beginning of the year, the first month of the year, we have these things called resolutions, right? And, and when you start writing down your resolutions and a lot of the resolutions are things that you want to stop and a lot of them are things that you want to start. But in that list between what you want to start and what you want to stop, there is also a list that we create of what we want to continue. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about continuing. And continuing is important. In fact, if you're playing any video game and you want to beat the game, you're probably going to have to use the continue at some point. At some point, you're probably, unless you have infinite lives or something else, you're going to have to continue. And in the book of 2 Timothy, that's exactly what Paul is writing to Timothy about. He's a man that's about to end his ministry, and he's writing to a man that's about to start his ministry. And Timothy was just beginning. He was starting to pastor. He was starting to help uh, people uh, grow in their spiritual life. He was starting to help churches to know and understand God's word. And so Paul is writing to him, and he wants to encourage him. He wants him to know, listen, uh, if you want to serve God, Timothy, this is what it, it's going to require of you. If you're going to continue uh, living for God, this is what it's going to cost you, Timothy. And he begins to share with Timothy even experiences in his own life to try to just get one message across to Timothy, and it's this. Timothy, continue. Don't give up. Don't stop. Continue. And if there's one message that I believe we need in 2020, going into 2021, it's that we need to continue. Now is no time to give up. Now is no time to say, uh, we don't need to go on anymore. In fact, now is the time to decide we need to move forward. Now is the time to decide we need to continue. And Paul says to Timothy here in this book, I, I want you to understand there are, are reasons that you need to continue, but there's also a determination and a decision, Timothy, that you're going to have to make because continuing is not easy. You know, the, the word continue in the Greek is the word meno, and it, it means to remain or abide, to persist in an activity. In other words, don't give up, but rather follow and move forward, just Continue, persist in something, have some perseverance, have some endurance. Just continue to move forward no matter what. That's what the Greek word meno means. Continue. And this morning as we study this passage, I just want to share three areas in which the Apostle Paul shared with Timothy that he needed to continue. And I believe that us in 2020, as we're going into 2021, those same areas, we also need to continue. The same thing that Paul challenged Timothy about, I believe God will challenge us about this morning to continue in. I want you to notice, first of all, in your notes, the conditions to continue through. In this letter of 2 Timothy, chapter number 3, Paul starts out by telling him about the last days. He said, Timothy, when the last days come, as, as Jesus Christ prepares to make his return, Timothy, you got to understand the world's not going to get better and better. It's going to get worse and worse. By the way, that goes against the whole theory of evolution. By the way, science itself goes against the whole theory of evolution. Evolution says, oh, we're getting better and better. We're evolving to something better and better. And yet, the, uh, I think it's the second law of thermodynamics that everything is tor going towards chaos and to destruction. Everything in our universe is going to die. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how that gets better if you're going towards a destruction, how you're going to an end, how that is better. But 
Somehow they believe it's getting better. But Paul reminds Timothy and he says, listen, it's not going to get better. In fact, dangerous, perilous times, difficult times are going to come. But by the time you get to verse number 14, Paul says, but you, Timothy, continue. Perilous times are are coming, Timothy. Difficult days lie ahead of you, but continue. And he starts off with the conditions that you need to continue in. He says, first of all, Timothy, continue during times of moral decline. In verses number one and verse number two, he begins to talk about the actions of the people. He said, Timothy, as these difficult times come, you'll find that people will be selfish and greedy. They'll be braggers and prideful. They'll be blasphemers. They'll be disobedient and ungrateful. They're not going to be separated unto God. They're going to be unholy. And we're seeing this more and more each day. We're seeing this grow more in our society. It's amazing what you can discover about just mankind when you scroll through social media. I think it's up to like, I don't know, two, three billion people that have a social media account. And it's amazing how similar we are. It doesn't matter if you have a social media account and you live in China or if you live in South America or you live in America or if you live in England and Europe, it doesn't matter. There's a lot of similarities. There's a lot of things that just come out of us as, as people. I was, doing a, I was just doing some research to see on selfies. You know, selfies are really big in social media. If you don't know what a selfie is, for those that are older, a selfie is when you take a picture of yourself. That's why it's called a selfie. You'll hold the phone up, or now they have sticks that you can use, uh, and, and you kind of just press the button, and it takes a picture of yourself. They say, statistically, in a survey they have done, they say it takes 48 minutes on average to get a selfie, just right. 48 minutes. I don't know how true that is. They say in this survey, feelunique.com was uh, that uh, the, the company that did the survey, and they were saying that over five hours a week are spent just on selfies. Now, let me just say that uh, if you take a selfie, you're not sinning. You're not doing wrong. I'm not saying, listen, I, me and my wife, we take selfies every time we go on vacation. Uh, any social media will tell you, you, you have these selfie moments and, and, you gotta, and you do that. But do you know that there are people that are just obsessed with selfies? I, I found another website that said that the millennials, all right, this is, you know, average age, you know, 16 to 25 or something like that. Millennials now actually were like from 1983, which is the year I'm born to like 2000 or something, or millennials, something like that. Um, and they're saying millennials in their lifetime, they're estimating they will take 27,500 selfies. They say that will equal to about 75.3 years of time. Insane. So Pastor, why are you bringing this thing up of selfies? I'm just wanting to make a point that in these last days, it just seems like we are obsessed with ourselves. We really are. There are many of us that are just tempted to that, and, and, uh, and, and we, just have to, we just have to put that out there. And Paul told Timothy, listen, Timothy, when you start seeing that come about in the in the place where you're at, when you start seeing that in your own life, just know that that's the, time, the times that you're living in. That's the day and age in which you're living in. People are going to get worse and worse. They're going to become more and more self-absorbed, more and more selfish, looking out for their own interests. Do you know there's a book in the Bible? It's a small book. It's in the Old Testament, the book of Haggai. Do you know that the whole point of that book was God delivering a message to his people of this? You know what's wrong with your people? He said, you know what's wrong with my people? You know why, you know why things just, they just aren't going right for you? You know why? He said, because you're more concerned with your house than with my house. At that time, the prophet Haggai was sent by God to say, can you wake up the people and let them know, listen, y'all have great houses and you're, you take all the time that you can to make your house beautiful, but have they noticed the house of God? It's in disrepair. It's fallen apart. It's showing a little bit of what the priority is in their life. And they're all about themselves and nothing about God. In fact, Haggai said this. He said, you looked for much and lo, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why? Saith the Lord of hosts. Because of mine house that is waste 
and you run every man unto his own house. Had yeah, he said, man, you're, you're really concerned about what's going on in your life, but nothing about what's going on in God's. You're really, you're really concerned about your plans and your purpose, but what about God's plans and God's purpose? Selfish, self-absorbed, all about me. Greed has become something that we kind of just feel is normal in life now, don't we? Greed is just kind of like what goes on. And by the way, you don't have to be in the richest country in the world to have greed. You can go to the poorest country in the world. In the Western Hemisphere, that would be the country of Haiti, and you'll find greed there. Greed is just simply the love of money, the love of I need to have what I want, and I need to have everything for me, the, the almighty dollar, as we would say. And there's people that sacrifice time with their family on the altar of the almighty dollar. There are people that will sacrifice not just family time, they'll sacrifice church time for the almighty dollar. And they believe, man, if I could just make a little bit more, we'll be just a little bit happier. And the Bible says the opposite is actually true. In fact, in the first letter that Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.10, he says, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Paul said the opposite is, is, is going to happen. You start to become greedy. You start to be saying, I just need some more money to be happy. You'll find that you'll have more sorrows in life, not more happiness in life. Paul said, you'll find that greed will begin to abound. You'll find that people begin to be braggers of themselves. They'll be looking about all the accomplishments that they have done. They'll tout all how great they are. And suddenly that inward focus goes against everything in authority that's around us. Suddenly you find that to be a reality. We look at where we're at in America today and, and some people say, man, you look back in the 30s and 40s and 50s and it just seemed like America was different. And it was. Now, America's never been perfect. All right? Never. It's always had its faults. But there was a time in America where at least as a nation, we understood some truths from the Bible, some personal truths, some moral truths. We just thought it was moral for children to respect their parents. It was just a moral thing to do. It was a moral thing for uh, couples to stay together and not to divorce. But what are we seeing today? We're seeing more and more teenagers rejecting what their parents have to say. Rejecting what the Bible has to say. Rejecting what the authority has to say. You, you find like the movements of Black Lives Matters and, and all these other uh, social justice movements and they're burning our cities down. Groups like Antifa. What happened? They rejected the morals of the Bible. 1962, we decided, you know what? Prayer is probably not needed in our schools. And what's gone? What's happened since then? Well, suicide has gone up and drug use has gone up and and destruction in the lives of teenagers has gone up. Because there's been a moral decline. In fact, they said in 2020, through this pandemic, suicides have almost doubled. They said, uh, and statistically, that divorces on the, on the rise big time in 2020. What's happening? A moral decline. Paul told Timothy, listen, there's going to be a moral decline personally in people. People will become unthankful. There's a story in Luke chapter 17 of Jesus when he healed 10 lepers. And of the 10 lepers, only one came back to say thank you. Thank you for changing me. Thank you for curing me. Listen, the other nine were also cured. The other nine were also able to go home. The other nine were able to now hug their family. The other nine were going to be able to live a better life. And yet, none of those nine came back to say thank you. You look at that percentage-wise and you almost can say, you know, that's kind of like today. 
It almost feels like 9 out of 10 people aren't thankful for anything. You can get on social media and I guarantee you'll find more complaints than you'll find more uh, thankfulness uh, statements. Paul said it's going to be that way. So be unthankful. Why? Because there's a moral decline. But he says, Timothy, when you see the moral decline starting to come in the lives of people, he said, continue. Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. You ought to continue during times of moral decline, but also during times of social decline. In verses number 3, 4, and 5, Paul tells Timothy that society will begin to unravel itself. You see, when you begin to start failing personally, morally in your life, it doesn't do anything but start bringing society down. And suddenly, the society around us begins to deteriorate as well. Now people are not loving one another like they ought to. They're not helping one another like they ought to. They're not meeting the needs of others as they ought to. They're not forgiving one another as they ought to. Why? Because there's a decline. It starts morally, personally in your life, but suddenly it bleeds into our society. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, Paul writes this. He says, now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Paul said, man, there was a generation before us. He's telling the church at Corinth that just it was all about them. A society that was so selfish and it started with just a few of them first in their personal life and then it began to bleed into the society. And he said, and that society that was there in the wilderness for 40 years, they never made it to the promised land. They never did anything great in life. Because they were too self-absorbed. It was too much about them. And Paul said that was an example for us to understand. Don't get to that point in your life. Don't get to a point where you just give up on everything and decide you're not going to continue in the things that thou hast learned. Paul said it's going to be easy when you start seeing society to decline for you also to decline. You start seeing violence, you're going to be tempted to say, well, the only, the only way to answer that is with uh, violence. And, and the only way to, to solve the problem is to do exactly what they're doing just the other way. It's funny how you can see that in society. You'll see that there are those that no longer appreciate Others that stand for right. In fact, they hate them for standing for right. Now you just say, well, simply the Bible says that gay marriage is wrong. And now you're a bigot and a hater. You say, well, abortion, according to the Bible, is murder. And suddenly you're uncaring about women. Simply because you're standing on what God says. I mean, who would have ever thought just to say, well, your gender is male. That's how you were born. That's an issue now. And that's a problem. You can't even identify someone's gender. That's, that's, being, that's being someone that's unkind. Paul told Timothy, listen, when you start seeing society decline, you continue. Continue in the things that thou hast learned. During times of religious decline, in verse number six, you see that. In 7, 8, and 9, he says, listen, there's going to be a time when those that sound like they have the truth will begin to make their way into the home, but they don't have the truth. They have a form of godliness, but they are not godly. They have a form that sounds like truth, but it is not truth. Some of the fastest religions that we see in our world today are religions like the nuns. Say so the nuns, that means they say they have no religion. They identify as non-religious. But even they believe things. And they teach things. I mean, they have a doctrine and a pattern of life that they are following after. And Paul says, listen, when you see that religiousness come and start to decline, just 
you, you, you continue. You got those that sound like they have the truth, like the Muslims or the Jehovah's Witness or the Mormons or the Catholics. And they're, well, we, we, we have the truth, but do you have the truth or not? What is it that you're teaching? So many times we, we don't really teach what the Bible says. We teach our religion and our rules, but there's no relationship. It happened to the Judaizers. Listen, the very people that God gave his word to became so, uh, so tied to rules that they forgot that there was a relationship before those rules. God said, listen, I just want, I want you to know I love you. And I want you to be happy. And let me tell you, this is how you can be happy. You know that the rules that are there in the Old Testament weren't to make life miserable. It was to make life better. But the problem is because we have sin in us, because we're just sinful people, we tend to choose what's going to make us sorrowful, not what makes us happy. And Paul says, when you see that, that religious decline, he said, you just continue. Second Timothy chapter 4, that same book that later on in the letter there, Paul says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works, of whom thou beware also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. In other words, Alexander was sitting there saying, oh, well, Paul, that's just Paul's thoughts. Oh, that's just what Paul thinks. And Paul said, no, this is the word that God has given me. I said, listen, it's not my rules. It's amazing. As I mentioned earlier, you're the bigot for just simply saying what the Bible says. And Jeremy, would you choose that? No, I wouldn't choose that. But you know, I'm unholy and I'm sinful. So I wouldn't really rely on my wisdom to choose the right thing. I'd rather choose what God says, the one that is all-knowing, the one that is all-loving, the one that died for me and for you, the one that forgives those that have offended him. Believe him. We find that Paul says, just continue. But notice he says, continue during times of persecution and affliction. If there was anyone that could speak to the fact of being persecuted, it was the Apostle Paul. In fact, he lists a few of the cities like Iconium and Lystra, where he was persecuted in Antioch. At Lystra, he was literally stoned to death. For you younger generation, when it says stoned in the Bible, it doesn't mean he was high. They got massive rocks. And what they would do to people is they would throw them into a ditch and then start throwing rocks at them. And we're not talking about little rocks. No, no, we're talking about like boulder-sized rocks. What you could pick up, try to crush their head and their teeth and just kill them. That happened to Paul simply for preaching the gospel at Lystra. But the Bible says that God revived him. And it's amazing. After he got from that city, he rose up, the Bible says, and went back into Lystra. Probably missing some teeth, I would imagine. Probably a little bit hurt, I would imagine. I don't think that God just gave him all his health back and he was back like if nothing hit him. No, no, he had the scars. That's why he's telling uh, Timothy here, listen, I can show you the scars. I've got the bruises. I've got, I've got the persecutions and the signs to show you. Timothy, it ain't easy. What you're choosing to do and what God's called you to do, it ain't easy. But continue. So if, if there's anything I've learned, Timothy, it's this. You got to continue. Can I say, I have no idea what the rulings in the Supreme Court are always going to be when it comes to our religious liberty. But if they take it all away, listen, we ought to continue. Just continue. The people in China, they say there's over 90 million, maybe 100 million Christians. They don't have the liberty to do what we're doing today. But you know what? They continue. Even through the persecution, even through the affliction, I mentioned this on a Wednesday night of the Waldensians back in the 1500s. They were men and women that 
stood up for the truth. And when the great inquisition came, and those priests came and said, we don't like what you're teaching. You're giving the Bible in, in a language that they can understand, and you're not going through us, and we're, we're the leaders here. The Waldensians just simply continued. And when those same priests got to them, and I'm talking about thousands of them, they started throwing them over cliffs. And some of them, the families, they took their babies and literally in front of them began to rip their arms off of the babies, of their children. And they would punch them and they beat them and they got sticks. And after they were done with them, they threw them over the cliff in front of their parents. Very few survived from that, but those that survived continued. Many of them went to other cities and much of Europe has the gospel today because some of the Waldensians decided even through persecution and affliction, though my family got torn apart, literally, I'm not quitting. It's not time to give up. It's time to continue. Paul told Timothy, listen, when you see the moral decline and the social decline, when you see all this religiousness starting to rise up and the truth to decline, when you see persecution coming into your life, Timothy, then is the moment to continue. The conditions that Timothy was to continue in, they were difficult. But he was to continue. Then I want you to notice, secondly, the commitment to continue with. There is a commitment in continuing. Ken Blanchard, the great leader of business said this, there's a difference between interest and commitment. When you're interested in doing something, you do it only when it's convenient. But when you're committed to something, you accept no excuses, only results. It's kind of like the chicken and the pig. They were trying to decide, will we be tomorrow's breakfast? And the chicken was all for it. That hen said, I'll provide the eggs. You provide the bacon. Say, so one was going to be interested in breakfast. The other one is going to have to be committed. There's a commitment that comes with continuing. And Paul tells Timothy, listen, you need to be committed, first of all, to the truth that has been given to you. He says in verse number 14, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of. You see, Paul said, listen, you've seen my faith, Timothy. I've taught you what I know from God's word. I've tried to be an example to you. You've seen the fruit of the labor, uh, whether it be at Corinth or Thessalonica or Ephesus or Colossae or Galatia or Iconium or Lystra or Antioch. Listen, where I have been, Timothy, I've, I've done my very best. To give the truth. And he says, and you, Timothy, continue in the truth that you've been given. You don't need to doubt it. You don't need to walk away from it. You need to continue in it. Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.2, he says, and the things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Listen, that, that's what we ought to be committed to today. I'm so thankful to hear throughout 2020 the stories of us as a church. Many of you as individuals and families who decided, you know what? Not only are we not going to quit, we're going to continue, but we're going to be committed in that continuing. And you shared with others. You shared what God has been doing in your life. You shared with them how they can uh, have a victorious kind of life and not be defeated and not be fearful, but, but be excited and be a joyful and be happy. And you've done that. You've shared the truth that you've received. And Paul says, not only the truth that you have been given, but stay committed to the truth that you have seen in others. You see, Timothy had learned much from Paul's teaching and Paul's preaching. But he also learned much from Paul's example 
and the example of Titus and the example of Luke. The example of Tychicus. So who are all these people that you're naming? They're people that traveled with the Apostle Paul. They went to different churches and, and, and were there with the Apostle Paul. Listen, the Apostle Paul, though, he did much preaching and pastoring. He had those men that would help him and women that would help him. Like Priscilla and Aquila, that, yeah, that, that couple there that, that decided, you know what, we're going to do our very best to, to disciple others and teach others. And they probably had to give up some of their Monday nights and their Tuesday nights to do that. Oh, but the difference that they made in the lives of so many because they decided to continue and to commit. I don't know all that 2021 holds, but I would assure you today that there's going to be some difficulties and it's going to require a commitment from you and me. And we may have to give up a Monday night or a Tuesday night or a Thursday night or a Friday night. Just so that we can continue to be committed to the things that we have received and the things that we have seen in others. Paul told Timothy, you've seen things in others. You saw it in your mom, Timothy. You saw it in your grandmother, Timothy. Eunice and Lois, you, you saw their life. The Bible says that Timothy's dad was a Greek some scholars believe that means that he probably wasn't saved. He probably wasn't someone that went to church or cared what the Bible said. So Timothy had to make a decision for himself, as we all do. Can I say, it doesn't matter what your mama chooses today, and it doesn't matter what your daddy chooses today. It just, it just matters what you're going to choose. And Paul, Paul said to Timothy, listen, you, you need to decide, Timothy, that yeah, maybe dad's doing that, and maybe mom's doing something else. But listen, I've seen some things in others. And if your mom doesn't go to church and your dad doesn't go to church, just put your eyes on someone that does and say, listen, I'm going to follow their example. And I'm going to continue and I'm going to stay committed. Just like I was in 2020, I want to be committed in 2021. We see that Paul told Timothy, you've, you've, you've seen some of that. He told those Christians in Philippi, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me. Do them. Can I challenge you this morning? Listen, be people that are committed to the truth that we have seen in others. I love that Timothy told, I mean, Paul told Timothy, remember your mom, remember your grandmother? Follow that. We live in a society that says, hey, we, we need to, we need to preach. Put women in a position of leadership and, and, and esteem. And listen, that's not something that was invented by the feminist movement. Listen, the scriptures, I've always taught that, okay? God has always been one that created women with a purpose and a design. And they're special. They're amazing. I, I can't imagine growing up how, how special it was for me to have a mom there lived out her faith, that taught me her faith. Something that the way they do it is just different from the way a man does it. I don't know why. Moms are a lot more loving. Seems like they're a lot more forgiving. It seems like they're just a lot more tender. I know we live in a, in a day and age in which they're trying to make the woman, oh, well, anything you can do, we can do. We can be as tough. Just a few weeks ago, it was the big thing on the news in sports was, hey, for the first time in a Division I football game, there was a woman cooker. You see, women can do everything the same. Listen, I don't want women to do everything the same. I want them to be tender and loving to the children because that's what they need. We're not always very good at it as dads. I need a woman that's going to be there and be a support. Be one that looks after a home. Look at Proverbs thir chapter 31. The Bible says this is the kind of woman we ought to be. It says she works with her hands and describes all that she does. And it's amazing. In 31 verses. I mean, I just get tired of reading about what she does. 
I don't know how many dads are like me, but anytime there's ladies meeting, I'm like, oh my goodness. Okay, three hours, I can make it, I can do it. It's just amazing. I want to challenge you, young ladies, married ladies. Be a woman that says, hey, I want my children to see my example. Grandmothers, be one like Lois. Because you have a Timothy in your family. There's a Timothy there that's looking at you. There's someone that's looking at your example. Or there's a Christina that's looking at your example, grandmother, mom. Be one that leaves that kind of an example. Paul says, listen, be committed to the truth that you have Receive the truth that you have seen to the truth that can transform you. You see, he says there in verse 15, and that from a child that has known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise into salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. See, there's only one truth that can redeem a person and justify a person and make them righteous and holy, and that is through Christ Jesus. There is only one name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I just say this morning, Stay committed to the truth that can transform you. You see, that gospel doesn't only transform you into a child of the devil to the child of God, but it can change your life. You stay committed to it and you'll have a joy that's indescribable and unexplainable. A joy that the world will never understand. A joy that even in a year like 2020 says, man, I'm excited about what God is doing. And I'm amazed at who God is. Oh, look at all that's happening in our country. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But listen, get your eyes off the country. Get your eyes on God. You'd be amazed at who he is. You'd be amazed at what the gospel can do and how it can transform you. Paul said to Timothy, stay committed as you continue. And then lastly, he gives him a charge to continue in. He says, I want you to know, Timothy, there's a charge for you now as you continue in this life, this Christian life. And he says, listen, the charge is, first of all, continue in the word of God. He tells Timothy, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine and for reproof and for correction and for instruction in righteousness. He said, continue in the word of God. It'll keep your doctrine, your teaching sound or correct. We're suffering from a lack of that in our country today. Many churches, what leads is the emotions and the feelings. And I'm not against emotions and I'm not against feelings. And I think in church we ought to be able to say amen, and that's good, and, uh, and be a little bit more excited. And I think in, in church, as we sing to God, if you want to raise your hand because you're moved by it, and you're saying, God, I lift up holy hands, as it says in, Thessalonic, in Thessalonians, that you lift your hands and praise God. That's okay. You can be moved. There's, there's emo- God gave us emotions. You ought to be excited when you're in church. You ought to be excited about hearing God's word, and there's some things that you should say, hey, that's good. That, that, that's, that, I like that. You're not saying amen to me. You're saying amen to what God says. That's all. The word amen means literally I agree. And so when you hear somebody say something that you agree with, you can say amen. It doesn't matter if you're a, a boy or a girl or a man or a wife. or It doesn't matter. God said, hey, if you agree with it, just say amen. It's okay. Church is a place to say that. And you ought to have some excitement to it. But listen, it ought not to be all about emotions and nothing about truth. You see... As people that believe the Bible, we go from truth to emotion. See, when you hear the truth, then you get emotional to say amen. 
You see, when you sing something that's true, as Psalm 130, where he says, I will wait for you, I will wait for you. On your word, I will rely. Listen, that's in Psalm 130. You, you, you can say, Lord, that's, that's, that's what I want to do. And you can sing that and you can say, God, I, I want to wait on you. God, I need to wait on you. You can, you can continue in that. Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing unto the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Paul said to Timothy, Continue in God's word because it will correct you. It'll help you. I love it. It's doctrinal. It says it's profitable for doctrine. That teaches you what is right. For reproof, it tells you what is wrong. For correction, it tells you how to get right. And instruction tells you how to stay right. That's what the word of God does. That's why you got to stay in it. That's why you got to continue in it. Hosea, the, the prophet Hosea told the people, this is God's message. He says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because I was rejected knowledge. God said, I also will reject thee. Why are blessings leaving my life? Because you're not continuing in the word. Paul told Timothy, stay in the word. But then I want you to notice he says, and he charges him to continue in the work of God in you. He says, stay committed to God's word, but continue in God's work. Now, it's, it's important to understand this. Paul was not saying continue in doing good works, though doing good works is a good thing. It's something God wants us to do, live godly, but here it's God's work in you. He said, let the word of God dwell in you richly. He says, why? Because God can't use you until he can work in you. The only thing that's going to last in eternity isn't good works. It's what you did with Christ in you. That's all that matters. You say, I can be a member of this church and give and that's not going to make it to heaven? Yes. That's exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying it won't. If that gift comes from something that says, well, this is what I can spare. Oh, well, this is what really doesn't matter. Here you go. Here's the leftovers. Listen, God says, that's not going to, is it a good thing to give? Absolutely. But I ain't going to make it. That's why Paul told Timothy, listen, you need to be thoroughly furnished. The word of God is going to prepare you. It's going to work in you because after it works in you, then, then it can work through you. Continue allowing God to work in you. This morning, we must continue in the process of God working in us so that we might grow in our spiritual life, so that we might actually do works that honor God. Because without it, listen, you can do a something good for selfish motives and for selfish reasons, and people do it all the time. But Paul said, continue to allow God to work and you let the spirit of God control you, Timothy. You see, victory in the Christian life is determined by the fact that you and I will choose to continue. You have a choice this morning. You can quit. You can say, hey, 2020, it's been that kind of year. And you know what I learned from it? I learned that I just can't go on. And you can make that decision. Or you can make a decision that I'm going to continue. In track and field, there's one race that is called the relay race. And in a relay race, they use a baton. And it's interesting because it's made up of four people. It's not just one person that runs in a relay race. It's actually four. There's four legs to that. And the first person 
takes off with the baton, and when he starts to reach the second person, that second person begins to run, and that first person needs to give them that baton. And as soon as that baton is given, he takes off even faster to get to the third person. And when he gets close to the third person, the third person begins to run, and that second one gives him the baton, and, the, and he takes the baton, and he runs even faster to the last person. And when he gets to the last person, the last person starts to run, And that third person gives him the baton, and then he runs all the way to the end. It's a team race. And the baton is given. And if the baton is dropped, the race is over, and you're done. And you're out. But one of the keys to winning the race, and this is what they practice. If you've been on track and field and you've ever done a relay, you know what I'm talking about. There's actually rules. There's a way to do this when you're actually transferring the baton from you to the next person. And they say if you have it in your right hand, you need to give it to the person in, the le- in their left hand. It just helps them to get it, and then they get it to their right hand, and they're running. So they don't stop, so it doesn't cost them any time. They just run hard, and the baton is for that. And they actually practice over and over. The best ones, the ones that compete in the Olympics, this is what they practice over and over and over again. Getting that baton from one to the next. Because they say we got to continue if we're going to win. This morning, the message is simple. The message is continue. Paul told Timothy, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. Yeah, 2020 is coming to an end. But listen, in a week, it'll be 2021. And I wonder how many are going to take the baton from 2020 and say, let's keep running. That's the decision we need to make today. It ain't time to quit. It's time to continue. Continue in your commitment. Continue in the charge that's been given to you and to me. Just continue through all the conditions. It don't matter. Just say, I'm going to decide today to finish. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Father, that this morning you've challenged us to something that is greater than ourselves. You've challenged us to continue. And Father, I pray that as we end in 2020, understanding what it is that the Apostle Paul told Timothy, or how much we need that today in our lives. Though the people have changed and the Apostle Paul is no longer with us, nor is Timothy, yet the truth remains. And Father, you're still here calling us to continue. And I pray that we would be a people that continues. I pray that we would decide today that continuing is what we need to do. With every head bowed and every eye closed. You know what? Perhaps you're here this morning and you're saying, you know, Pastor, you talk about continuing in the Christian life. But to be honest... I don't think I've even started the race. You see, you can't start the race until you've started with the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Perhaps you're looking in your life, you're looking back and you're saying, I've never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't think of a moment in in my life and a moment in time where I've accepted personally the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. Asked Him to forgive me of my sins and to be my Savior. But today, I want to do that. I want to make a decision to follow Christ Is there anyone like that that would say, just pray for me, Pastor? That's a decision I want to make this morning. Is there anyone like that? And you want to say, pray for me. Then perhaps you're here this morning and you're saying, Pastor, would you just pray for me? Listen, the fact that I'm here this morning is because I made a decision in 2020 to continue, but I know 2021 is around the corner. Would you pray for me? I want to continue in 2021 what I started in 2020. Would you pray that God would help me do that? If that's your decision, would you just raise your hand? God bless you. I see that. God bless you. God bless you. I see those hands. God bless you. I say, Pastor, pray for me. God bless you. I want to continue. Father, this morning, as your people, we simply have confessed that we need you to continue. And Father, I pray that you would help us to continue. Help us to not give up. Help us to not quit. 
to remember the charge that has been given to us. Not be distracted by what this world has to offer. Not be distracted by what this world wants to promote. Oh, to always keep in mind that we need to move forward for you. Help us to do that even today, even this week, as we go in to this next year. Help us to take the baton that's been given to us and run hard in this next year. Help us to do it for your honor and for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen.